What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 55 of My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Red Romina, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show. And it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Red Romina. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. Today, I'm joined by Red Romina, and Romina does a lot of things. She's an entrepreneur. She's a content creator. She's an actress, a published author, a YouTuber, and I'm very excited to have her here on the podcast today. Romina, welcome to the show. Woohoo. That was an awesome intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So, I want to start. I mentioned in the intro that you're an entrepreneur, and from what I did some like research and stuff beforehand, and, and you've always been an entrepreneur. And I want to start like all the way back. You sold bracelets as a kid outside of your house. <laughs> Can you kind of talk about that story? Wow, uh, going all the way back, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess for me, it's just I've always been such a creative person, and um, I was always very fortunate enough to live in a household where that was rewarded. (laughs) And um, for whatever reason, when I was, when I was young, um, and I'm talking like, I guess, like seven, eight years old, I just like to make stuff. And I just, I liked money. (laughs) I was, um, I was a very, uh, I was an only child. I am an only child. Um, And aside from, you know, building forts and and playing with my stuffed animals, I also liked to just make money for some reason. And it wasn't even like I wasn't going out and like buying stuff. It wasn't like the idea of like, oh, I'm going to like own all this stuff and that's going to make me cool. It was just like, oh, this is cool. I can make things and people will buy them and then I get money. And <laughs> so just like the, the the concept of of being able to create something and having other people enjoy it and kind of support it, at least, you know, monetarily at the time. Um, I think that kind of thing just fostered that love in me, um, that love for entrepreneurship and, and putting myself out there and putting my work out there. Mm -hmm. And like an important part of, of having a business and selling a product is promoting it. And along with selling bracelets outside of your house as a kid, you also created your own fake dog food and shot a whole commercial for it. Can you kind of tell me that story? Oh my goodness, we're going we're going way back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, I I love um, I love film, um, just creating in general. But for me, having a camera in my hand was just something that I. Um, that I treasured, even though technically I wasn't allowed to have the camera. (laughs) At least, well, my dad was very cool with it. My dad is always like, yeah, do whatever you want. You know, like who cares if you break the, you know, $500 camera. My mom, on the other hand, (laughs) she just like, if I even breathed on it wrong, it was like a disaster. Um, But somehow I always managed to get the camera in my hands and, uh, I don't particularly remember why I made this. I don't think it was for a school project or anything like that. I think 
it was just, I think I just wanted to make a commercial. <laughs> and so at the time I had a dog, which was a dog that I grew up with. And I had a can, I think, I think it wasn't even like a can of dog food that I had. I think it might've been like beans or something. Like it was just a can that I had. And I, um, I created my own logo and like named it and stuff and drew on the can and put it like drew on the paper and then taped it onto the can. And, um, and yeah, it was like, and at the time, like, of course, um, I don't know how old I was, but I didn't have access to like a computer and like editing software or equipment. Um, during that time, it was, everything was recorded on, on tapes, which you then would have to put into like this adapter, uh, like a VHS tape. Um, so it was like a mini, uh, like a VHS tape that would go inside of a bigger VHS tape in order to watch it on, you know, on a TV. And, um, and in order to film that commercial, I shot myself, then I would, press play on the camera on the camcorder to go back and see what I had been doing and then if I did it wrong then I would then I would have to go back and then start recording over that um in order to kind of make a final product so everything that's in that commercial was um just shot and reshot um according to whatever I thought kind of looked good as a finished product (laughs) wow that's crazy do you remember the name of the food like what you named it um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was something like kibbles something maybe. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I actually don't remember at all. I'm sure I saw some cartoon or something and probably just piece stuff together. Who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you talk about like having the camera in your hand and stuff. And like from my, like from what I found, like the camera was pretty much always been in your hand. Like I remember you mentioned somewhere, I can't remember where I found it, but you were basically vlogging before YouTube. Like you were taking your camera to school. What kind of caused you to do that? Yes. Well, I think it was, I, you know, I was just so excited about the, about the idea of documenting stuff. And at first it started with photography just because it was so much easier to do. Um, you know, at the time with the camera that I had, um, it was for, for taking pictures. Um, and, but that camera, uh, I had a little point and shoot that I bought and I was able to shoot like, I think it was like 30 seconds maybe, or like a minute of like, um, like it wouldn't let you record more. Like that was it. Um, and I, would take that camera to school and aside from taking pictures of everyone and everything constantly every day I would also film little pieces of stuff that I was doing and around that time actually as well um, I finally had a computer and you know software like iMovie and like Movie Maker like Windows Movie Maker and like Real Player like all these things were coming out and so during those years, I was able to develop that skill of, you know, slicing stuff together that I had recorded. And I guess as, as to why I did it, I just, I don't know, it was fun. And also because I think a part of me also just wanted to have that footage for later. Cause like, you know, those moments are just so special and I guess I just didn't want to forget and that's partly one of the reasons why I still record stuff is just I don't 
I don't want to forget <laughs> that I had, you know, those memories. I think that's awesome. So I guess then you still have all that footage and like you don't really delete any of your unused footage. Like once you make a video, you still hold on to everything. For the most part. Yeah. Um, there was a while specifically when I was just starting college where I kind of got careless with that kind of stuff. And I felt like I didn't know how to organize my data and I've you know I've I've lost stuff before like I had a computer that completely just like obliterated and I just I lost um like a year's worth of photos I was um I was in Spain I, I like went to Italy like I lost a lot of stuff um from that year and I think that um I have gotten better at that kind of thing like now also there's just so much more access to that I mean like we have Amazon <laughs> and so I can just like get a hard drive in like two days um, wherever I am in the world even if I don't have you know like a Best Buy nearby or whatever and I think I think that has also made it a lot easier to organize data and to be able to archive and um, kind of become a data hoarder <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, it's, yeah, I've definitely, I've had my ups and downs with that. Um, but I try my best. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk quickly about like your time when you're not responsible for the camera. I want to talk about the time when you were an actress. Are you still acting today or was it something you kind of did in the past and not as much today? Yes, I am still acting today. Um, it's one of those things where you're only an actor when you're working <laughs> and, uh, and as it is, uh, you know, the market is so competitive now because, and I, I won't go like that, go in it, that deep into it. Um, but uh, when I started, people used to use black and white headshots and you would actually have to print like this eight by 10 headshot. And then you'd get an appointment to go to a casting director. You would drive over there, you would do the audition, which might last, you know, 30 seconds or maybe like two minutes. <laughs> And then you leave and you go home. Um, and that was it. It was like a proper job interview. But nowadays, with the internet, <laughs> um, I don't even remember the last time I printed a headshot. And uh, auditions are sent to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And not just in one city, but in the entire world. Because anybody can send a tape can send an audition tape from anywhere at any time and from any time zone. So because of that, you know, the the pool has gotten a lot larger um, and the jobs have stayed um, more or less the same. Um, but of course, like with Netflix and everything, um, with streaming, there's a lot more opportunities now um, in like the past, maybe like three to five years. Um, so it's definitely, it, it's it's been interesting to be able to see <laughs> To go from, you know, this kind of analog <laughs> uh, way of doing things to just everything just going so fast. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I still, I am still acting. I actually just did an audition yesterday. Oh, no way. How'd it go? <laughs> good, good. good. That's good. I wanted to ask about a couple of roles specifically. The first one being Horrible Bosses. Like, what's the story behind that role? <laughs> uh, well... I, you've probably noticed since you've done extensive research <laughs> on my entire life. Um, but 
you've probably noticed that I've been typecast. <laughs> um, I've played the secretary and the receptionist in almost everything I do. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, that was actually a lot of fun. Um, I I was playing the reception. I was playing Chris Pine's receptionist. And fun fact, um, I mean, I don't know if if you've dive if if you have figured out that i'm a huge star trek fan i have <laughs> okay um it's not like it's on my profile bio or anything like that <laughs> um but uh at the time when i worked on horrible bosses i actually was not a fan of star trek not that i hated it that's that's weird wording um but like i wasn't a fan of it like i hadn't seen enough of it and i just wasn't like aware of like the culture like you know I, I just didn't know much about it, you know, but I did know that Chris Pine had played um, uh, Captain Kirk on the new uh, Star Trek. And uh, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> and so now it's like now after after the fact, you know, I I brag about it all the time. I'm just like, yeah, you know, like I worked with Captain Kirk, so I got it made. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, as I say, the other role I wanted to ask you about was your appearance on the Jonas Brothers show. Ooh, potato salad. <laughs> My one line on the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So that one actually was, um, I had just moved to LA, I think only a couple years prior to that. And um, I was still getting my feet wet and I didn't know much of what I was doing. And um, so I started to do extra work and it was my way of getting on to movie sets and just seeing how it worked connecting with people and just you know and also making money <laughs> um and I worked on the Jonas Brothers show and then they gave me a line <laughs> so that's how that one happened um so that was like early on in my career um and that was cool they are they are probably like the nicest people that I've ever met really that's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, I was going to say, but along with like a acting and stuff, you mentioned when college, I think it was, you did a bunch of traveling and traveling still, from my understanding, like a big part of your life. So like, why is traveling so important for you? Well, I started traveling when I was maybe like three years old. My, my parents love to travel. And so they just took me everywhere. Like as soon as I was allowed on an airplane, I, that was it. My, my parents never left me at home, like ever. I think it was only maybe, uh, like if they were going to maybe Africa, like if there was something where, um, maybe there was a disease or something, or I needed to get vaccines in order to go, then they might've not taken me there. Um, but for the most part, I think like 99.9% .9 of the trips, uh, they just took me everywhere. And, because of that, I was able to learn about the world and see that there was so much more than, than you know, the city I grew up in or the state I grew up in. And I think that kind of thing just never leaves you. And as soon as I saw an opportunity for me to combine my filmmaking background and my travel experience and turn it into one thing, I just, I seized that opportunity. So how many countries have you been to now? Oh, um, you know, I've never been the type of person who like counts 
stuff. <laughs> Which is weird because I'm actually like a huge like I love numbers. So like I have spreadsheets. I like I keep track of so many things. Um but every time somebody asks me like how many countries have you been like I I really don't know. I think it's been like at least 30. I don't know. I think I'm just going to throw that number out. <laughs> oh wait, I think I have an app for that. Let me see. Okay. I'm just going to I'm just going to take a look. Um I'm pretty sure that I have an app. I hope I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, let me see. I think I filled it out. Oh, wait. No, no. False alarm, guys. False alarm. Sorry. Um, I'm a big fat liar, so I don't have an app. I did have an app. Okay. <laughs> but I guess I <laughs> I guess I never filled it out. Yeah. Uh, what was I say? So I do want to dive a little bit more into how you said you're able to kind of merge your filmmaking and traveling. So like, do you have any tips for people that want to make a living while trying to travel and live freely? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely really challenging. And I think that if you want to start to do that, you need to just start. You need to just start from wherever it is that you are. And don't feel like you have to, you know, go to Bali or go to Spain or whatever or go to Colombia and just um, like if you're just staying in your own hometown or the city that you live in right now and you just start doing remote work then you're already working towards that lifestyle you're already working towards um being able to create a flexible schedule where you can just you know pick up and go whenever it is that you want and i only say that because i feel like you know a lot of people think about that kind of lifestyle and they think oh um you know you have to be nomadic and just like and not have a house or furniture and just, you know, live out of, you know, a suitcase and just travel the world and go to all these exotic places. And you can absolutely do that. But, you know, you also have the option of having a home base and um, creating a schedule for yourself where you can, you know, leave for a month or three months if that is something that you want to do. But come back to your house and that's that's how I am now because I just I I love my room you know I love my bed I love having my own space and and I I feel like that kind of I feel that kind of like lifts the pressure off of it because it doesn't seem as such a like big thing you know and it's not as scary because a lot of people go into it and they're thinking like you know, they've never traveled before, or maybe they've traveled only a little bit. So it's kind of daunting to think like, oh, well, I have to start a business and I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to get like a job. And like, you know, like, how do you, how do you work all of those things? And I think if you think, if you scale back and just think in simpler terms, like you just have to start freelancing. I mean, that's really all it comes down to is figuring out what skills you have, what skills you, you want to work on. Um, what is it that you're really passionate about? Because if you're going to be working mainly by yourself, it can get pretty isolating. It can get pretty lonely. And if you don't, if you aren't working on something that you're passionate about, on something that, you know, you're motivated to get up out of bed to go do and do the work on your own, then it's going it's to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult for you because, you know, you don't have a boss you don't have a company that's that's asking you or making you clock in and clock out every day. 
They're not making you, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. to show up at the office at 7. And being able to work on something that you really, truly love to do will help you to be able to focus and to stay motivated and to actually get up in the morning and do the work that you need to do. Um, because it all seems like fun and games, you know, on Instagram, but but the truth is, is that it does take a lot of work and it does take a lot of dedication and perseverance. And so like with that in mind, with not having your own boss and you kind of have to set your own hours, like what does an average day look like for you? Maybe like even contrast between when you're at home versus when you're on the road. Oof. Well, when I'm on the road, I typically focus on creating content and because of that, I spend a lot of time with my camera running around doing stuff. And so a typical day for me when I'm traveling is like I might wake up at like 530 or 6 a.m. And, you know, I'm out the door by 7, 730 and I'm doing stuff. I'm like, like whether it's, you know, an ATV tour or I'm going like, you know, snorkeling or I'm going hiking somewhere whatever it is, um, like I just jam pack the day with activities. Like I, you know, I'll do three, four, five things in a day. Um, and I'll just, you know, I'll get back to the hotel or the Airbnb or whatever, um, like 10 o'clock, whatever, (laughs) like as late as I can possibly do it. Um, and I just do that every single day, um, while I'm out traveling and, Pretty much, you know, when I get back, I might crash. <laughs> but I, it's, you know, it's the opportunity. Like if I only get, if I only get five days in Brazil, like, hello, <laughs> I'm going to spend, you know, you know, it's going to be like 18 hours every single day. I'm just going to do stuff every day because I don't know when I'm going to go back to Brazil. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think just uh, taking taking those opportunities is like super important for me while I'm traveling. Um, but as a contrast, when I'm at home, <laughs> um, I pretty much just wake up whenever I want. <laughs> okay. For the most part, for the most part, it's pretty early. Um, you know, I'll wake up anywhere between seven to nine o'clock in the morning. Um, sometimes I'll w- I'll wake up earlier. And sometimes I'll wake up later and uh, sometimes I have deadlines that I need to meet and, you know, for whatever reason, if I've left it the last minute or if it was something that I got last minute, then I will just stay up late and I will just keep working the whole night. And so because of that, I'll wake up later in the day the next day. Um, But pretty much like uh, just on an average day, I'll just wake up in the morning and I'll make myself breakfast. It's the most important meal of my day. <laughs> I love breakfast. I will spend an hour just on breakfast. I will spend maybe like 20 to 30 minutes to cook something and then, you know, 30 minutes to eat it. And I'll typically like watch a show or like listen to a podcast or do something like that or listen to a book um, while I'm doing, while I'm eating breakfast. Um, so it's kind of like a, it's kind of while I'm cooking, I kind of I get into like this meditative state. It's just very relaxing for me to cook. And it's something that's just very different from stuff that I do normally. Um, so it is a very important, it's, it's a very important thing for me. Um, and, you know, typically like I'll do stretches throughout the day. I'll do yoga stretches, maybe five, 10 minutes. I do meditate almost every day. Um, sometimes I forget. <laughs> um, 
And I will typically, after working all day, I will reward myself before I go to sleep. And that reward will, well, right now it consists of me finishing Attack on Titan. Um, And, uh, but prior to that, um, I will consume Star Trek because I am, I am trying to get through the entire franchise. Okay. Um, and in chronological order. So I have a lot of watching to do. Um, so typically, yeah, I'll just, I'll wrap up the day by watching something, you know, that's on my list, something that I want to do, or I might read, um, for half an hour or an hour or something like that. And just try to unwind before I go to sleep to do the same thing the next day. How, how long is that full Star Trek, like from start to finish? Well, <laughs> so we were talking about numbers earlier. So I don't know how many countries I've been to, but I do have a spreadsheet of every single thing that's in the Star Trek franchise in chronological order. And I have the running time on it as well. Um, I'm planning on publishing that spreadsheet somewhere on like my blog somewhere because I did put in a lot of work. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but it uh, it will take, I believe it's like 23, 24 days, something like that. And when I say days, I mean like full 24-hour days. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So it's, a, it's literally a whole entire month of content um 24 day, 24 hour days yeah so i'll see you in like maybe 20 years yeah, I don't know. that's wild <laughs> yeah um i'm currently just finishing up the next generation and um on the first season of deep space nine okay i kind of want to so. double back a little bit to freelance and everything I wrote down a uh, phrase you said here at one point. I think it was in regards to freelance and kind of traveling while working. And it was being cheap uh, in the, will be more expensive in the long run. Can you kind of explain that? Ooh. Bringing up my tweets now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel – so this is something that I, 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 that I learned in my mid-20s, which – a lot of people on Twitter interpreted that in not so positive ways. And I'm not sure if maybe my point was really understood in the way that I wanted it to be understood. So being cheap ends up being expensive in the long run means that if you have the opportunity to spend a little bit more money to make your life easier than you should. <laughs> and um, I mean, there's a lot of aspects to that tweet and it's not just, you know, making life easier, but also making life more fun. So I did have a guy who responded to me and he was saying, um, uh, like, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, like I have my money like saved up, blah, 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 blah. Like I don't like for retirement and like all this stuff. Like he went through like this really long, like very boring tweet. <laughs> um, And I was just like, okay, hope that works for you. <laughs> um, Because to me, like I just read, 
I don't want to have any fun so that I'll have money when I'm old. And that's something that I want too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I want money when I'm old. I want money now, you know, like I don't, I don't want to be old and then have to struggle, obviously, like nobody wants that. Um, but at the same time, something that I did learn, um, so I have a, I use Trello a lot, which is, you know, this software where it lets you, which lets you, um, uh, do project management. And so I have this board where I write down my life goals. I mean, my life, uh, lessons. I also have one for my life goals, but I have one for life lessons. And, um, every year I have like a different list for every year and I'll write down stuff that I've learned throughout the year. Um, so when I learn something, I'll just go into that board and I'll write it down. And um, I actually just looked at this uh, last week because I was putting something in there. Um, and one of the things, and this correlates to that, is um, one of the things that I learned was um, always choose the experience over the money. And that's, and that was, that's something that's like very difficult to do, obviously. But, um, but if I'm able to, you know, spend $200 and go, you know, snorkeling or scuba diving or whatever with a group of friends who I don't know where I'm going to see them again, then you bet I'm going to spend the $200 even if at that time I'm not really sure if I'm able to afford it because I know that I am going to be able to afford it because when I get back, I'll be able to work twice as much and I'll be able to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just like an example of um, of kind of of that kind of mentality where I'm not making money just to hold on to money. I'm making money so that I can live. And that's where the, you know, cheap versus expensive thing comes comes into play. Um, Because, you know, again, if you're if you're going to be spending money on on equipment or on a class, you know, you can get a class that's like $20, maybe like a one day workshop, it's $20. And maybe it's not really that great, but you did it because it was a lot cheaper than this other class, which was $250. But maybe that $250 would have gotten you like an internship. So it's just that kind of thing where it's like, obviously, you know, more expensive doesn't always mean better, but if you can kind of, you know, analyze it um, before you just get the cheapest option. I think, I, th- I just think it, it just leads to more fulfilling kind of, kind of life because I'm, I'm living. It's not just like, oh, I just want the money. It's, I, I want the life. Yeah. I actually really like that. And I definitely think I'm going to start like a notes tab in my phone or something for like life lessons, because like what I always tell myself is live and learn. So if I make a mistake, like, okay, I realized what I did wrong. I've lived, I've learned from my mistake and I'm moving on. But I think writing those things down is something important. I'm definitely going to start doing that. And before we move on from travel, I want to ask if you have any crazy travel stories. I always like to ask people this question. And like an example I have is potentially like falling off a paddleboard into freezing cold water in Quebec. My source wasn't hundred percent if that was actually you, but I wanted to ask. That yes, that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's funny about that is that I did the whole thing. I did the whole activity. I was out there in the water. The water was choppy. It was windy. Like I was so good, you know. <laughs> I was I was doing it, and then like 
it was like, you know, 20 yards. Like I was so close to the shore. I was on my way back. And then that's when I fell. And um, the water tasted horrible. And it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, what? really? It's like when you call tech support and then the problems like the problem doesn't come up. And then you look like you're making stuff up and like the tech support is like, what are you talking? Like, you know, it's like one of those moments that's just so frustrating that there's like, no, I, I promise. Like it was, it was, it was happening. <laughs> um, but as far as like crazy stories, I, you know, that's always such a tough question to, to answer because I like everything is just so fun. <laughs> everything is so crazy. Like I just, I feel like like every moment is just so different and unique and and special and it's hard for me to just to just pick one um but i will say um i know how to skin a horse because i had to do it one time why <laughs> um so before any <laughs> before any of the listeners are like ill like <laughs> um so I was living on a cheetah farm in Africa. I was doing volunteer work. And uh, this cheetah farm also has uh, African wild dogs. And part of the part of the menu, <laughs> their daily menu is um, they just have like meat and they mix it up with like other, like you have to create their food every day. Um, and uh, And we had a horse that was donated to us, a horse that died of natural causes. Um, from a neighboring farm and so we had to prepare the meat (laughs) and you know I mean like it was a it was a it was a proper horse like we didn't we didn't go to you know the supermarket the grocery store and like buy the meat so it wasn't like pre-packaged you know it's just like Mm -hmm. it was like fresh anyway so (laughs) I guess that's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think that counts. And I wasn't <laughs> intending for that to be my segue to this, but I did want to ask about your advocacy advocacy for wildlife education for like other people. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah. So I have been interacting with wildlife, you know, in, in the most respectful way possible. Whenever I can travel, whenever I travel and I can do that, then I will. And I thought that was one of the things that I really wanted to emphasize when I started to create travel content online. Um, I really wanted to get the wildlife aspect of it involved because um, travel, it's, you know, there's, there's so many aspects and so many different angles to go about traveling. And you can do, you know, the five-star hotels, you can do the Airbnbs, you can do volunteer work. Um, you could go camping. Like, there's just so many different ways to travel. And I feel like there's not as much knowledge about the fact that you can interact with wildlife and their natural habitat in a way that isn't damaging, but also in a way that's very educational. So instead of going to your local zoo, you know, you can go somewhere and actually you can go to a wildlife sanctuary. Um, you can go to a reserve, an animal reserve. Um, if you are able to travel a little bit further than you're able to interact with these animals in their natural habitat, 
Um, and when I say interact, I don't mean like you're jumping into, you know, a ocean full of turtles and you're like petting them and stuff and like kissing them. I mean, like you're just jumping into the water and like hanging out with them, <laughs> like you're just next to them. Um, so it's it's definitely it's it's a rewarding experience. And it's something that I guess just to kind of um, dive deeper into that, uh, I went I went snorkeling um, in uh, in Cabo, and uh, and with um, whale sharks, and that experience was something that I I mean I love whale sharks, and I just. I, I just, I never thought that that would be something that I would ever do for some reason. And there I was uh, jumping into the water with one of the largest animals that we have on the planet. And that kind of experience is extremely humbling. And it's something that's very undescribable. So when I found myself swimming in the water and looking down and looking next to me and seeing this this creature just swimming past me, I mean, honestly, like I get chills. I still dream about it sometimes. Like sometimes I'll I'll like I'll just dream about whale sharks because it was just something that just completely impacted me in such a way. It it's you know. I, when I was in the water, I just, I saw myself, which by the way, I'm petite. I'm five, two (laughs) and I'm next to this giant beast. And then I just saw myself. I like kind of from above, like I just saw the world, you know, I looked, I looked at this animal and I saw the world. I saw, um, I saw all of the possibilities and I saw just how small we really are mm-hmm. in the universe. And it's very humbling and it's very frightening. But it's definitely something that I will always remember and I will always cherish. Um, and I just want other people to experience the same thing. I feel like if everybody had an experience like that, We'd probably be better off. <laughs> no, definitely. I agree. I think that sounds super surreal. And although like not everyone is able to experience these, but you kind of give people a window into your experiences and your travel through your YouTube. So I was curious when you first started creating content and posting it online. When I first started? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I guess, um, I mean, can we... <laughs> I, I've been, I mean, I've been creating stuff online for a very long time. Um, I mean, if, we, if we're going to go like way back, then we have to go like all the way back to LiveJournal, <laughs> um, which is just, obviously that was like written content. Um, and I actually created a, a community of people on LiveJournal for, um, for movie reviews. So I actually had people who were writing movie reviews and creating content um, under a brand that I had created. And, um, and you know, I was making websites on GeoCities. And eventually, like, I was making websites and um, posting video content 
when it was like a QuickTime file. So I don't know. I don't know if you lived those days. I did. But they were not fun because like you would open up a website and then you'd have to wait for like this QuickTime file to load. And it was an ugly like QuickTime player on your website. It was ratchet. <laughs> like it was, it was not nice at all. And, and that's, I guess that's how I started was posting that kind of stuff. And it was mainly because um, I was creating, again, it just comes from, you know, from the very beginning where I was creating stuff and I wanted people to see it and I wanted to share things with people and I wanted to share my experiences with people. And um, in 2006, I found out about YouTube. Um, and so, of course, I just started to post all of my old stuff on there. <laughs> um, and so I just started posting things. And um, and then I started to make videos on YouTube, like short clips. Like I, I, um, I made one of my first videos that I made for YouTube was uh, I shot a video of this baby seagull that was going in and out of like the shore like the water kept like coming in and then he would like go away and then like he would get close to the water again and then the water would come back and it was like he didn't want to touch the water and so I recorded that and then I put um the song Little April Showers from Bambi um which is the song where um it's like raining and like stuff's happening like it's really scary like in the movie because <laughs> like all the wildlife is like oh my god there's like a storm coming like this is the worst thing and then the song is like so it like it escalates to like right so it starts like very pretty and like ooh, like this is really nice it's like you know like a like a jingle from like the 1930s um but then it turns into like really scary and like big and like oh my gosh like the world's ending um so i put i put that song on um you know, to this video of this little uh, seagull um, terrified of the ocean. And um, it got like a few thousand views, <laughs> which at the time was like, who's watching this? It was like, you know, obviously there was no copyright. Like there was nothing on YouTube like this. Um, and I'm just like, like, why are people watching this? And so I started to, I started to make my own videos. I was vlogging. Um, I made videos like while I was at the beach, um like I would just make videos and I would just be like hey guys like I'm at the beach like you know it's hot <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know stuff where it's just like who's watching this I don't know um but yeah I mean that's kind of you know it kind of took off from there I stopped posting to YouTube for a couple years because I was focusing on you know bigger projects like doing um more production uh, production work I was you know producing my own films and things like that um, so I just kind of left YouTube on the side. And then um, when I came back into it, it was like a whole other beast. Um, but I still very much enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And before we kind of dive into your YouTube now and all the all the different platforms you're posting on, from like I've noticed you've been pretty early to multiple platforms. Like you said, you were on YouTube in 2006. I'm pretty sure you're on Twitter pretty early. And if I'm not mistaken, you were on Twitch before it was even called Twitch, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> so like, is there any platform? So someone that's kind of been right, I guess, in like the next platform, is there anything you're keeping an eye on right now? TikTok? Yeah. I, figured, I, I, I thought that. <laughs> I mean, answer. kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, 
I still don't understand it. Yeah, I post. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll have TikToks that just get thousands of views, and I'm like, where are you, like, get a job. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you watching this? <laughs> um, but it's fun, you know? Like, uh, it's, yeah, I, I guess I just love being a part of it all, you know? So as soon as, like, I see a website that's, like, you know, popping, I'm just like, ooh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go join that. Um, and then, you know, they shut down in like three months and I'm like, well, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's it, it, like, I guess as <laughs> I just like being a part of it. And like, I don't really think about like, where is it going to go? Or like, you know, I don't keep my eye on stuff as like, ooh, this is going to be, this is going to be the, the next, you know, the, the next big thing. It's more like, oh, this is just like a place for me to create. This is a place for me to hang out with people, you know? And yeah, I joined I joined Twitter in, um, I think it was 2007, I think is when I joined Twitter. And when I joined Twitter, I had a number of like my online friends who were joining and like they were also making YouTube content and everybody was just kind of like, well, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, but like... <laughs> You know, it's, it was, it's just like, for me, Twitter is just a place where I can hang out with friends mm -hmm. and I, it really feels that way to me. You know, I get on there and I share laughs. I have awesome times. I get into arguments with some people <laughs> and that's just, you know, it's, it's just a part of my life and and I've gotten so many positive things out of Twitter. I mean, like I've gotten jobs, like I've gotten work, like 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 people have given me money <laughs> because they met me through Twitter, and that kind of thing just you know blows my mind. And you know, when I joined Twitter, I wasn't thinking like, ooh, like this is like a place for me to like promote stuff. It was oh, this is like where my friends are hanging out at. So I guess I just, I, I should chill here too. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't think about that. Like, like when we go to like the mall or like if we, like if there's a new like joint, like a, like a diner to go hang out at, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, Ooh, like, is this spot like, you know, is this spot popping? It's like, no, like while well, my friends are going to go there, everybody's going there to get a burger. So I guess I got to go too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like for, with Twitter then for the most part, did you grow it basically just like by, hand-to-hand -hand combat like slowly engaging with people one by one i think you're sitting just over nine and a half thousand followers now yeah which uh twitter actually had a purge recently okay. um i believe i think it was last year and i lost like maybe three thousand followers oh shit <laughs> um from that purge i i was like i was at maybe like fourteen thousand followers on twitter um which Again, it's like, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, people are just, I mean, they're making like accounts, you know, people, there's like fake accounts and, you know, all that stuff. So to me, like, I really don't, I, I don't care too much about that. As long as like when I get on there, I have people that I can communicate with. And I have that now. I have people that I can um, support. I have creators that I can support through Twitter. Um, I can share their content. I can share, you know, other people who are doing stuff like different charities I'm able to share that stuff on Twitter so quickly and people are able to get it um, because up until now, the algorithm <laughs> is still in our favor. So um, Twitter, as far as like growing on Twitter, 
it's all about interacting. It really, like, that's literally all it is. Um, my speaking engagement that I opened up this year in New York um, at 368, that speaking engagement I got because of Twitter. Um, because I literally just tweeted out, I want to get back into public speaking. And that was it. That was it. I just got like, and then I got the opportunity to do it. And then next thing I know, two weeks later, I was paying money to go and fly to New York and speak at this engagement. Um, and that was like, and that's like, you know, those types of opportunities is like, you gotta just grab them. And they, they come because you put yourself out there. You know, if I hadn't tweeted that, then I would not have gotten that opportunity. Absolutely not. Um, you know, because most people are not psychic. <laughs> so uh, so they don't know. They don't know what it is that you're looking for. They don't know what you're working on. They don't know what you're thinking, what your dreams are, what your aspirations are. So if you don't put yourself out there, then how are they going to know? And Twitter, you know, Instagram, you know, all these places are just, they're platforms for us to put ourselves out there. And, and that's just how I, that's how I see it, you know, and it's a form of expression. It's a canvas, you know, and, and to put myself out there, um, I also have to, I also have to acknowledge that other people are also putting their, themselves out there. And by doing that and just being like, I'm just going to say it just flat out normal <laughs> like just you know just talk to people and the thing is that with things like twitter and i just keep going back to twitter because it's the easiest for me there's millions of people at your fingertips literal fingertips like they're there and it's it's really just a matter of talking to the right people and you just have to keep trying until you do. And you will find that circle of people, that circle of followers, circle of supporters who will stay there and who will help you to grow on these platforms. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And with Twitter too, in terms of like getting in touch with people, I found with the podcast, like you try and get in touch with someone on Instagram and they have 200,000 followers and I go to their Twitter and they have like four or 5,000 followers. So I find too like the barrier a barrier of entry of trying to get a hold of someone is a little bit lower on Twitter as well. Absolutely. I've had so much more success with um, getting with getting client work, with getting speaking opportunities, um, with so many things um, over Instagram because of that fact, because of the fact that not as many people are reaching out to these people Um on on this platform and speaking of like those speaking engagements i do want to ask how was that time at 368 and what was kind of like the topic of your talk so it was a blast um <laughs> i mean you go to 368 in new york city and you know you're gonna have a good time mm -hmm. and i it it really was an amazing way to just kick off the year because this year is all about experimenting and it's all about trying new things and it's about really exploring not just myself but my brand and my work and to be able to 
kickstart the year because um you know that that in that speaking engagement was in January um I just like it's I started off the year with that and that's like um it was just such a positive way and it just made me so motivated and I was able to connect and strengthen these relationships like some of the people that I was speaking with I hadn't met in person yet but we were friends <laughs> and to be able to just share, you know, in the same, to be in the same room with them, to be able to hang out with them and, you know, explore New York City with them. That kind of thing is just, it's very inspiring and it's very, uh, it really, really motivates me to be able to see other creators, to be able to see other people doing what they want to do. That fulfills me. That makes me so happy. Um, which, uh, which is one of the reasons that I started Create IRL. I don't know if you know about that. I was that. just going to bring that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of that kind of came from... Well, to go back to your other question, to the second part of your question, um, my speech at 368 was actually about um, uh, hashtag reject 9 to 5, which is not what you think it's about. It's not about rejecting the 9 to 5. It's actually about rejecting doing work that you're not passionate about um it's about finding what you're passionate about honing the skills that you need in order to make an income from that okay so it's not like rejecting working between the hours of nine to five but it's going to a job that you don't like right okay absolutely and like you know if if you are passionate about being an animator (laughs) and uh and that job requires you to go work nine to five at an office then you're going to do great <laughs> um, because that's really what it is. And it's not, it's not so much, um, it's not so much like rejecting, you know, corporate or, you know, things like that. It's more, it's more um, creating a world in which this kind of mindset is accepted and is fostered from when you're young, that it's not, it's not about, Hey, you know, go get a job because you need to make money. It's, Hey, what are you passionate about? okay, figure out if you can make money doing that. Um, and kind of, it's just like, it's a very subtle um, change in the, in, in the mindset and the approach of, you know, entering the workforce. Mm-hmm. And so was this event at 368? Was that the one that like Becky and Chris was at and Roberto Blake? Yes. Okay. So I, I, there's a chance I saw a part of your speech then and I think it was Becky and Chris's video because I remember, I think they vlogged that one. And I'm pretty sure I watched it. Yes. Yes, I was in that. That's awesome. Um, but I do want to actually talk about Create IRL now. So that was your event that you threw, which was originally called Twit IRL, right? And then you switched it after? Yes. yes. So what what inspired you? Like, why did you throw your own event? Where did that idea come from? Yeah, so I have always wanted to do some kind of event. I've always wanted to bring people together. And again, I love Twitter. And I actually, I like, I always kind of joked around, like sort of half joked around that I wanted to start a convention for people on Twitter. But the thing about Twitter is that most Twitter users just don't leave their house. Like they just want to like, (laughs) you know, they just want to (laughs) tweet. And I guess like earlier this year, I just, I was like, you know what guys, like, no, we're going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I just, I like looked at my calendar and I just picked a date 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, guys, it's happening this day. I don't know where. I don't know what time. I don't know what's happening yet. But it's this day. And it's going to be in Atlanta. So get your plane tickets. <laughs> and and so because of that, like I named it Twitter IRL because it was, you know, Twitter in real life. And but in my mind, like I, you know, I never wanted to just like make a convention that was just for Twitter users, right? Like it's just very limiting, I feel like. Um, but I just, I, I just combined that with um, my love of, of helping creators and motivating creators to, to, to do what they do best, which is to create. And, um, and because of that, I've changed it to create IRL and it's actually now an annual conference. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, <laughs> but maybe after the second year, then I can then I can um, earn that title <laughs> of annual annual conference. Um, but for right now, um, it is going to happen uh, June of next year. Um, and I have a website, createirl.com, and it's currently under construction. <laughs> I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but maybe it'll be up by then. I think, um, I think like end of October ish. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be out like in like three weeks. So, perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, createirl dot com. Uh, it's gonna be an annual conference, but uh, in between, I do plan to have micro events. So micro events and workshops. So that's that's kind of the goal right now. And to um, we've already had a couple events. Uh, just uh, this past month, there were hot air balloons at a local park here in Atlanta and so we got the whole group together and about 20 something people came um it was a yeah it was a it was like we had people from all different backgrounds and it was really cool um but the idea behind create IRL is to bring creatives together who might normally not get together to network and learn and um and collaborate so, you know, photographers and writers, maybe they wouldn't normally get together, but here's a chance for them to meet and possibly create something cool together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what was the flow of the first event? Was it all networking or were there any speeches or anything at your event? Like, how did it kind of look? Yeah. So the first event, uh, which I guess was the first conference, um, we had a panel and we did focus on Twitter, mm -hmm. but we also talked just like in general about growing and networking online. Um, since Twitter does play such a big role in that and being able to, um, to kind of leverage different platforms in order to grow, um, not just, you know, an audience, but to actually grow your network. And, uh, so we had a panel and then we had, um, networking and we had food as well, food and drinks. And then after that, um, we lost about half of the people, um, and by lost, I just mean like the event was over and then like, but like half of the people just like stayed even though it was over and I kept trying to like get people out and I was like, okay guys, like we're done. Like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, does anybody like want to grab like some drinks or something? Like, you know, we can go like, let's leave. Right. Cause I was like, I'm there at the venue and I'm like, I don't want to, you know, take up more of their time. And, uh, so we ended up going to, um, we ended up going to get pizza so then like we went to this pizza joint and we had to combine a bunch of tables together to sit all of us 
Like it was just, it was madness. And so we ordered like these large pizzas. We had pizzas. And then after that, like we lost another, like another half of the group, like everybody went home. And then, um, and then I just ended up going to the aquarium with like, uh, three other people. So it was like a really, it was like a huge like day activity. (laughs) Um, but that I think it kind of was a good representation of what create IRL should be moving forward. Yeah, that's dope. And like I asked, cause like I was debating, I want to throw an event in my city at some point. I don't know when or what it's going to look like, but I was just curious kind of what it looks like putting it all together. Um, so is this like an event, like, is it basically now a new revenue stream for you? Or are you not really just making money off of it? It's more of a break even thing that you've just always wanted to do. Uh, I think right now as it's starting, it's just going to be break even. Um, it, the first event was, uh, profitable. Um, but as we scale for next year, it might not be as profitable. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I definitely like for next year, I'm going to be getting sponsorships and things like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a proper convention, um, where we're going to have multiple panels and just kind of like a, you know, a common area, like lobby, whatever. So people can network and whatever. Um, and it's going to be over two days. So it is going to be, um, it is going to be a proper convention. And because of that, it's, there's going to be other costs that didn't really go into it, um, this time around. Mm -hmm. That's awesome though. And then, so one thing I want to talk about, like kind of what you talked about with the panel was building your community online. So my big push right now is connecting with people versus more followers. And I'm assuming you're kind of in the same line of thinking. Yes. Absolutely. So like, what are some ways that you've gone about connecting with people? Has it just been kind of jumping into those conversations and replying people like you've done on Twitter? Is there a certain way you should be going about it? Like, what are some of your best tips to build that community online? Sure. I think that's a great question. There's, um, I mean, cause there's, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. <laughs> um, and I guess I'll, I'll start off by saying the wrong way is, <laughs> don't don't come at it like you got something like you need something from someone you know even if you do (laughs) don't don't (laughs) you know it's it if you aren't genuine it it's gonna come off like you're gonna we're gonna be able to tell and I can absolutely tell when someone isn't being genuine with me um online and that's through text which is like you were missing so many things like tone and like all this stuff. And it's, and still, um, like, like I, I have people who have asked me to collab on stuff, like make videos together, but I have no idea who they are. And it's like, well, you know, if I, if I do that for every single person who asked me to, to collab, I'm, you know, what, where does that leave me? Like, I'm going to be spreading myself too thin. Right. And it's like, I can't say yes to everybody, to every opportunity. Um, even though I'd love to. And, and I think if, if someone, you know, says no to you, I I think one of the biggest things is if someone says no to you, to something that you, that you would like to do with that person, don't take it as a permanent answer because more often than not I've found myself kind of rejecting you know these kind of like collaborations um 
because the person just wasn't ready because the person just you know like let's just say as an example just if they're they're making youtube videos maybe they only ha maybe they only have two youtube videos up and i have no idea who they are so what is that like what kind of validation do i get from that like what do i how how can i trust that you're going to be someone that i can entrust my audience to my followers my friends my network because it's not just my fans it's also my friends who are going to be seeing you and if I, if, if my friends, you know, if I hold my friends on this pedestal, it's because they've worked hard to get to where they are. And if, if I'm going to, you know, bring you into my network, you better have, you better have something real good to back that up because I don't just bring anybody in. And if I do, it's because I believe that you have the potential and it's because I believe that you work hard. It's because I believe that this is something that you're really passionate about because you have the right reasons for it or because like you're just, you know, you're just a nice guy <laughs> and we just get along, you know, and that happens too. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, like sometimes I have had someone who just like, you know, I have a girl who just shows up and, and, uh, she, might not be the greatest, you know, at whatever she does or like, I don't know who she is at all, but for whatever reason, she was just really funny. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? I want more people like that around my life. So you're in, right? That's just how it is. That's how life is. That's how, you know, relationships work. That's how circles work. And as far as like what to do and what not to do, like if you are not brought into that circle right away, that doesn't mean no, like permanently, um, I think that if, if you really want to succeed as far as like networking, um, on these, on these types of platforms, then you really just need to be yourself. You really just need to focus on yourself and focus on who you are, what your interests are. Um, and when you jump into a conversation, like do it, it doesn't matter. Just jump in, but be yourself. Don't do it because you think, oh, like this, like maybe if I say this particular thing, they're going to like me more um, because that's in, that thing just doesn't work, you know, in the long run. Because it's like, you know, we learned that very early on in cartoons. When, when, one, when one cartoon says a white lie to the other one, it ends up being a disaster by the end of the episode. And then they have to, you know, they have to disclose everything because like the whole thing just turned upside down. Because, you know, because they couldn't tell the truth on this one thing. So it's like they just lied about this little thing about themselves. Like, oh, yeah, like I, you know, I totally like I love French fries. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then like suddenly their friend is like buying them a lifetime supply of French fries. And it's like, you know, it's like this whole like disaster. Right. And that's, you know, it the reason that 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 plot exists is because it happens in real life. <laughs> like. If you're just honest with yourself and honest with your work and and honest with what you do on a daily basis, um, I think that you're going to have a lot more success in finding that circle and finding people. And yeah, absolutely. Like if just like in the in in the topic of finding work, like let's just dive into that for a second, um, just because I talked about it earlier. Um, if you are on Twitter, um again, just as an example, because it works so well, uh, you go to hashtags and you can actually find work, you know, 
like if you're um you can like hashtag freelance hashtag um like let's say uh hashtag photographer or hashtag photographers in LA or whatever right so if you just like look up these hashtags of where you know of what industry you're looking for you can find people who are looking um for these types of for these types of peoples and you know have roles to fill and you just reach out to those people you know and obviously like that is like these tweets are asking to be solicited by random people and in that instance it's like okay you don't say oh my god please like hire me no it's like okay hey like i'm interested in this position are you still looking like where can i send you my where can i send you my reel where can i send you my stuff um so it really depends on like what the conversation is like you know when i'm on my feed if i see something's going down like if i see drama's going down like i i i might just like i might just jump in to the conversation and add a gif of like someone eating popcorn because i'm like ooh like y- y'all know you're airing your dirty laundry like on twitter right <laughs> like so it really de- like you just have to have it's common sense is what it is yeah and then another thing too in terms of like what the work thing what makes twitter so great is if you do a twitter advanced search you can look for like people within your area if that are hiring right so it just makes it that much easier in terms of jumping into the right conversations but i kind of want to transition over to youtube a little bit here and talk about your youtube how would you explain your channel because i've heard you talk about how like you're not necessarily sticking to a niche and just kind of create whatever you want like how would you explain the kind of content you put out on youtube well when i first started when i first started this particular channel my red robina brand it was very travel focused and the reason was because i was already traveling um just on my own and it just kind of made sense just to take the camera and document that stuff and I never really set out to be like a travel guru or like a travel blogger because although I do love travel, I feel like there's a lot of people doing travel and um, and as the algorithm has developed and just changed into its own thing over the last few years uh, since I first started that channel, it has made it increasingly difficult for travel channels to really prosper and and stand out. And the reason behind that is because, firstly, when beca- because of the algorithm, they really want you to niche down. And they want you to be ver- one specific thing. But the thing about travel is that, again, like I said earlier, there's so many different ways to travel. And... I try to do all of them, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll stay in like the six star hotels. I'll go and do fine dining, but then I'll also, you know, I'll also stay at an Airbnb or like stay at a hostel, you know, like it's to me, it's both are amazing and both of them are right. And they're both so much fun and, and really just like, just a great experience and it's just life but youtube does not see it that way (laughs) youtube just wants you to do one thing and and the thing is that if you get a video that gets popular if you get a video um that gets more views than the other ones and you start to get subscribers from that video 
then YouTube wants you to create more content like that video. And, and, and not just YouTube, but like you have subscribers who they might subscribe to your content because, you know, you made a video about Bali. But then if you made a video about France, then nobody's going to watch it because it's not Bali. But it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, there's more to the world than Bali. <laughs> but, you know, if that's just a video that popped, then that's a video that popped and that's what you got to do. Um, and I don't like that. <laughs> so so what, I, what I've been doing now is making my channel be more focused around me since that's more consistent, um, where it's a little bit more personal and it's a little bit more about my adventures as a creator. Um, so I will do travel stuff still, um, but it's definitely more like old school YouTube where I do sit down vlogs and I talk about stuff. I give like advice. Um, I'll talk about business advice. I'll talk about um, just the stuff that interests me. Um, so I'm going to Dragon Con, um, which when this podcast comes out, this is already passed, but, um, it's one of the largest conventions, um, on this side of the, of the U.S. And, uh, I'm going to be going to that and I'm going to be making videos, um, while I'm there. So that obviously has nothing to do with, you know, going to Europe, for example, <laughs> like, so, but for me, it's like, this is what I'm interested in. It's what, it's, it's me. And I just want to share that experience with people and I want to document it um, so that I can have that for years to come. And, and also to, to show other people that, you know, these things are available for people to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the algorithm, it just makes it so much more difficult, which is also partly, partly the reason why I, you know, and, and branching out and making other channels <laughs> because it's just it's it's impossible to be all the things that I want to be on one channel mm -hmm. and like one thing you mentioned there's like the fluctuating view count and like I looked at your account and some videos you get like a couple hundred thousand views and then the next one you'll get like 900 views so like does it bother yeah. you when you see that number do you like ever debate like maybe I just shouldn't make these videos that I know won't get as many views or like where do you land with that I sometimes I do but for the most part, I still just make videos because I love to make videos. And I think what makes it more difficult to me is that I know when a video is not going to do well. And by well, I mean, you know, not get like a couple thousand views or whatever is average. And I know when that's going to happen because of the topic. But I still put it out anyway because of the topic <laughs> and it, because it's interesting and because it's fun and it's entertaining and I want people to know about it like I went to this thing recently where I saw these fireflies and um and it's just it's amazing it's one of those things that in nature that you're just like wow I can't believe this is real it felt like the aliens were coming and like you know they were coming to say hello to the mothership and I was just like standing there and like I was surrounded by these little blue glowing lights like, it's weird, you know, and we live on this planet. <laughs> like, it's, you know, and when I see, like, that video in particular, like, I knew, 
it was not going to get as many views just because like people are just like what fireflies like this isn't Fortnite. like what i don't care about this but it's cool (laughs) and i want people to know that it exists and that it is cool so even though like that particular video i know is not going to get a million views anytime soon it's reached people who didn't know that these fireflies even existed like that this particular the blue ghost fireflies that like these fireflies they glow blue they're not like the green fireflies that are, are, are just like they just like flash green and you see them for like half a second no like they're just like glowing there like little blue lanterns and there's people who didn't even know that they existed let alone that you could go somewhere and see you know thousands of them just chilling like so the fact that I've reached those people is enough for me and I think is enough for you know the tour companies um who will you know bring me out to create content for them because to be able to to reach those people who are interested in in these things i think is enough so yeah i mean you know millions of people are not that interested in going to check out some fireflies but maybe there's a thousand people who are and if they didn't know about it now they do because of the video so to me it's all like you know it's it's a case-by-case basis it's just like you know when i made my stranger things video i knew that that was going to get a lot of views because, I mean, I'm, I posted it the day before, like not even 24 hours before the the next season was going to come out. And I just knew that that video was going to do well. And I worked hard on that video because I knew it was going to do well. But not every video is going to be like that. And and I take it for what it's worth. I take, I, I, I just, I feel like the views, sometimes it's discouraging because... I, I obviously I want more people to know about these things, the things that interest me. Um, but I'm also well aware that not everybody is gonna be interested in, you know, hanging out with fireflies or whatever. <laughs> I will say though that I'm one of those people like that sounds really cool and I'm gonna go and watch that video whenever we wrap up here. But you so you said that you don't like you don't know what when a video you know when a video won't work and you also know like with the Stranger Things video that that one was going to do well. So what are some of those factors that you're looking for for you to determine whether a video is going to do well or not? Like I know you said the topic from time to time, but like what are those things specifically when it's when you when you work on you're like yeah I know this is going to do well. It really depends on well first of all you have you have trends. So I obviously knew that Stranger Things was going to do well because of the fact that it was going to be trending. Um, Also because I was including information in there that was not, um, that was not in other videos and other similar videos. And then, um, and by information, I just mean because I went around filming the different film locations, like where they shot the show. And I had some stuff in there that was from the new season. Um, and then lastly, nobody else had dressed up like the main character from the show and done it. So I feel like like taking those three things into consideration, like I already knew that that video was going to do really well very quickly um, because of all those factors mixed in together. And so just the same, 
um, creating videos that I know have already done well in the past on my channel. Um, and it's just recreating it. It's just having the formula, you know, once you find the formula, it can be relatively simple to, to recreate it. Um, as long as you do something that's a little bit different and that is unique enough uh, for people to want to invest their time in it again. And it's like, what are some of those things and that you're recreating? So for instance, just, just like specifically for my channel, um, videos like top five, people like lists, people like advice. Um, so any video where I give like some kind of business or financial advice, those do pretty well. Um, because people like money, people want to go make money so that they can travel. And, um, and then I'll do lists like, you know, top five things to do, top 10 things to do. And those just do really well because it's not relative to your subscriber number and it's not relative to who you are. And, um, and so I already know like those videos, those types of videos, they get a lot of views and, they get served into the into the algorithm like very um just all over the place you know the video will just be in recommended and stuff as long as you have like great seo and like keywords and stuff um those types of videos just do really well uh, especially if it's in a market that you're already working in you know like if you're doing tech videos and you just do like top five um top five laptops for back to school and you publish that in like August or July, like you're, you know, you know that video is going to do well because first of all, you're posting it when uh, presumably people are going back to school or thinking about going back to school. Um, secondly, you know, laptops, like especially if you throw in something like top five um, affordable laptops, it's like, oh man, okay. This is like, I got to click. On. It's like, even if I'm not looking, like we click on those videos because it's like it's information, you know, it's like I don't know if they're going to ask me that on Jeopardy someday. So it's like it's there. And so I've you know, I've watched videos like that where it's just like, you know, top 10 scariest places in the world. And it's like, you know, it's like 1130 at night. And like I click on that video like I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to like I don't want to watch this video. This video is dumb. Like I know it's going to be dumb. Like this is going to be so stupid. Like why am I like and then I'm clicking on it anyway. Like my brain is saying don't click on it. Why are you clicking? And I'm clicking on it. And and it's like I think that even if you know, even if you aren't in 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 the target audience, like you still end up watching videos like that every once in a while just because they appear on the recommended, you know, on your front page. When you log in or they get shared just because they're easy to share because people don't need people don't need to know who you are. People don't need to know, you know, what your religious or your political background is. They don't need to know anything like they just want to know the information that you're divulging in the video. And so because of that, it gets shared. And so those are the types of videos that are just really easy to recreate. But as a creator, they can get very boring to do. Um especially if you're trying to create a loyal fan base um, or just not or like a community. Like if you want to create people who are going to be interested in um, in doing things, you know, with you, that's like it's it's hard to do when you make videos like that, because, again, most people don't care about who you are. They just want to know what the top five things are. Mm -hmm. 
And one thing you said that I'm really interested in is like the SEO of your video. So what are some of your tips when it comes to YouTube SEO? Because that's something I definitely struggle with when it comes to the YouTube channel for the podcast. Oof. Well, SEO is, I, I'm very keyword heavy, which some people are very much against that. Um, but that's something that really helped me grow uh, a lot like by 300%. And I will say that if you do want, you know, advice on how to do this, um, Roberto Blake, um, my friend Roberto Blake, he's got a playlist on his channel for um, optimizing your videos. And so he he broke down uh, TubeBuddy, which is an application, which which you can, it's a plugin, which you can use, you know, you can use TubeBuddy, you can use vidIQ. There's like, you know, there's, there's options for you, but um, the one that I watched was TubeBuddy, um, and he really broke it down, and I followed it. I watched every single one of his uh, one of his videos, and when I did that to my old videos, like I had videos, and they hadn't really gone anywhere, and I just like I went in and I did exactly what he said. I changed my thumbnails, and within a month and a half, like it was instant. Like I just had so many more views and just right after that my channel grew and i'm not exaggerating this number 300 percent. that's great i'm definitely for the, gonna, sorry, before the year was done yeah like i'm definitely gonna have to go and watch those then <laughs> like i'll check out oh yeah absolutely and i only say that because it's, there's so much information that i could go into and it's just like it would just it, we'd need like a whole separate podcast just to talk about that um but in general it's it's very much like if a video if what you are trying to promote isn't working then you need to change something and and the number one thing that i tell people and this is what i tell creators i tell my friends this like all the time whenever somebody asks me for advice on how to get stuff out there or like is my title good i take a look at it and the question that you should be asking yourself and this is the very first the very first thing that I always ask myself is if I was a person watching this video how did I get to it if I am the person who is interested in the information or whatever is being um divulged in the video what how how what did I search to get to that video and like if you kind of think about it that way you're thinking hmm okay how to tie a tie right that's what you're looking for so when you go into google and you're and you're like hmm things to do in dallas texas that's what you put in or like what what to do on fridays in dallas right like you put stuff like that all the time when you go into Google or whatever search engine you use. That's what you that's what you type in. You type in stuff like that. So when you do think you you think back, you do reverse engineering and you think, okay, what if I'm if I'm looking at this from another angle, what kind of words am I gonna use? And that's something that really, really helps or has helped me. Um, when I do these types of videos where I want people to search for it, where it's not like, okay, this isn't just for my subscribers. This is for people who are going to be on Google and they're going to be looking this thing up. What are they typing in? And that's going to be my title. 
Okay. So you know a lot about YouTube and YouTube is one of like your main platforms, but I was surprised to see that Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, is your biggest platform, right? Like in terms of following. Yeah. So how are you able to grow? Because the number I've written down here is 67,000. Like, has it been over time? Is Facebook something you've only recently started doing? Like, how are you able to grow to that number? I am, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, so I've had that Facebook page for ever. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, since like I had, since before I had Twitter, I think, because it actually used to be like a fan page that I had for like acting. Like it was for business stuff, you know, like I would put like, you know, my reel or whatever stuff I was working on. Um, and then I changed that page to just be, you know, whatever, just be me. Um, and originally what happened was um, Facebook let you change your your profile to be to become a page so I had like 5,000 friends like I maxed out on the number of friends that I had on Facebook and so I just converted it to a fan page and so already like I already had like technically I had 5,000 fans when I launched the page (laughs) um but then after that it was um it was just a combination of it's really uh, again it's kind of like YouTube in like what I was talking about with SEO where you think about the kind of stuff that people are sharing and you create content around that. And it's it's relatively simple to do if you're willing to give up part of part of your creativity. Um which I still am not able to do really <laughs> for the most part. Um on Facebook, it's it's a very interesting platform because presently you can't really reach your audience. So I do have, you know, I I have almost 70,000 uh followers on there, but if I don't pay, I can't reach my audience. So it's kind of like they're just sitting they're just sitting there um which is really it's really disappointing and it's really kind of disheartening because you know after so many years of just like building up this audience i just i don't have a way to access them unless i boost my post but i'm obviously not going to do that every single time i post because i find that ridiculous um so i've kind of just abandoned facebook for the most part and i still use it because I mean, obviously, like, you know, I can't just walk away from <laughs> from 70,000 people. But at the same time, I can't actively work on it because of those factors. And I feel like I do a much better job and I have better reach, believe it or not, even with less followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. No, I totally believe that because like Facebook's organic reach has been absolutely crushed recently. So I totally believe that. Yeah. And then what about Instagram? You've recently kind of cleared your Instagram entirely and you have a new strategy. How's oh that going? <laughs> yeah, that I, I, you know, I'm on the same, <laughs> I'm on the same front there with Instagram. I love Instagram stories and I do use that um, almost every day. I'm pretty much on there. Um, but as far as what's happening with my feed, it i'm i'm using it as kind of a canvas to just create graphics that 
show how I see the world, which to me is very, I'm very much influenced by science fiction. I love science fiction and I love mixing reality with the imaginary and turning that into something that's tangible, you know, for people to see. And so that's kind of where I'm going with my Instagram. And and like I said earlier, I never really intended to be like a travel blogger. And that was kind of the way that my Instagram was going. And I was not having that. <laughs> so it's just not very sustainable, at least not for the way that I am and not the way that I create. Because it, in order to do kind of travel content on Instagram, there's a very specific aesthetic that people expect. And I often find myself traveling alone. And because of the fact that I do so many things in one day, it just is kind of hard to do a photo shoot. Um, like, I have friends who will travel with huge suitcases like I'm not even kidding like three suitcases like the big ones like the jumbo ones where you could fit like two people inside of it they bring those with clothes with clothing options and that just like blows my mind and I'm not I'm I'm completely not you know I am not (laughs) trash talking them at all um I find it to be very admirable I cannot do that (laughs) Like, I travel with my backpack, which has my equipment, and then a, I the smallest international 19-inch carry-on bag. That's it. That's all I take with me everywhere. So, like, when I see these people who will just travel with all these different clothing options, yeah, it makes sense because they're going there to do photo shoots. And, um... And although I find that to be, you know, I'm like, okay, you go get it. Like, that's awesome. You're going to, you're going to go do the thing. I can't do it. And it's just very difficult to kind of, um, to follow in those footsteps, you know, it's just not something that I wanted to do. And, and I didn't really see myself doing that on Instagram. Um, and so I kind of took, took a step back and I realized this is like the path that I'm going down. Like the path that I'm going down is like expecting me to have like these beautiful, perfect shots of me at different exotic locations. I'm like, I don't want that. That's not how I travel. You know, I travel with like, I travel with my sneakers and that's it. Like I don't, I don't bring high heels. Like I don't bring fancy dresses unless I know that I'm going to go to like an opera house or I'm going to go out to dinner or something nice, you know, like I might bring one nice piece of clothing, but like that's it. So it's like, I can't, I can't put on a fashion show wherever I go. Um, but that's just, that's just what worked for me. So that's why I changed it to be something where that I could manipulate a little bit better and that I could just create, um, a little bit more freely and be more honest with, with who I am, um, as a person and, and as a creator. That's fair. And I think that's awesome that you're not necessarily just conforming to what the people want and you're really sticking to what you want to create. Um, yeah, well, it's a lot more fun that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And the other platform I wanted to touch on, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but TikTok, I want to know where the idea of drinking tea every day until 100K came from. Oh, well, that I can't take credit for that because my friend, Metal for Breakfast, who is originally 
you know, the TikTok king, he actually has like over 100,000 followers on on TikTok. And he's a great guy. He's very funny. And um, and so I just like I just joined TikTok because like, you know, he was on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll jump. I'll jump on the ship with you. Um, and <laughs> and then I joined and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so confused. Like, what are these 12 year olds talking about? Like, what are all these icons? Like, what does this do? Like, it's really overwhelming. And I still don't know. Ha- I, I still don't know more than half of like what everything does in that app. But I was talking to him and I was like, I don't like what I'm, like what what do I do? <laughs> and then he goes, oh, I just drink tea every day. And I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, just, you know, like make a sign and like, just, just say that you're, you're drinking tea until like, you know, you get to a hundred K. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do that. So basically this whole thing is just me accepting a challenge and me not being able to say no. <laughs> Fair enough. I- Speaking yeah. of a hundred K, like, I think it was this year you had a goal was like to hit a hundred K on m- multiple platforms and have a hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue coming in. And I wanted to ask, because I've heard you say that the goal wasn't necessarily was to do all of that, but was just to try and accomplish all of that. Cause it made me think of a thing, Tom, Bill, you shared, which was try to put yourself 10 years ahead in six months. Cause even if you don't get mm-hmm. to that point, just the work of you trying to get there is going to propel you so much further than if you weren't working that hard. Is that kind of like the intention behind that goal? Yeah, absolutely. And it already has taken effect. That that quote that you just said is so, so, so true. And although I feel like it's definitely, like you said, I was not intending on actually hitting 100K, but more so allowing myself the freedom to experiment and to try new things and to take risks um, like I did by wiping out my entire Instagram and just saying, hey, this doesn't work. I'm not going to get, you know, to where I want to get. Um, and just doing stuff like that where I'm just like, like starting, you know, the new channels that I've started where I'm just like, oh, you know, I want to create this type of content, but I obviously can't do it on this channel. But, you know, by obviously doing that, then I'm, you know, spreading myself into other channels um, where I'm not just going to be focused on this one, you know, Red Romina channel. And obviously, you know, that is not going to contribute towards getting to 100,000. But because I've done that, I've expanded, you know, I've expanded what I do. I've, I've grown as, as a person and as, as a creator because I'm allowing myself to because I've gave myself so much room to grow. And I think that's really what the goal was with that. And I've definitely accomplished that. Um, even, even, you know, halfway through the year. Yeah. And like, speaking of hitting that 100 K revenue goal, I wanted to ask you about a couple other revenue streams, like not numbers or anything, of course, but just some other ways that you're making money that I saw. And like the first one being Patreon. So when did you decide to start doing a Patreon? Well, I started a Patreon as soon as I started this channel. So I, so this Red Romina channel, I actually, I started it after my, my, uh, almost two year hiatus from creating content online. And it came about because I was creating content on another channel that I had, um, which was not a channel that I originally created, wanted to make content on. It was just like a place where I was posting reels and, you know, professional boring stuff. And 
I just created like a couple videos. They went viral and then suddenly I was like creating content again. And that's how I found myself. And then I was, and then I just moved into Red Romina um, because I wanted to do it right. And, and when I started Red Romina, when I started to create content there, I think like within like a few months, I was like, oh, Patreon. Yeah, for sure. I'm signing up. And I did it. Um, I I did it thinking like, you know, maybe right now I don't have someone who might want to contribute or be a part of that. Um, but I don't know if tomorrow there will be. And I'm just going to be ready for it. And And absolutely, like as soon as I put it out, I already had people who wanted to contribute. So that was like, you know, I... I didn't limit myself. It was just, I had the opportunity to do it and I took it. That's awesome. And then, so like, so obviously you saw returns right away. So what are some things that you offer in return for people subscribing to your Patreon? So that kind of changes, um, has changed throughout my, uh, Patreon, uh, lifetime, if you will. Uh, that has changed to kind of reflect the kind of content that I do. And also, the audience because you know that changes as well and the people that are on patreon you know the people who who contributed to my patreon in the very first few months are not the same people who are on my patreon today um i mean there's some that have stayed like the whole time but for the most part it's like you know i've had people come and go and they are part of this community for whatever reason um like they have their own reasons to be a part of this and uh and every one of them is different and I kind of cater to that. So currently, like I have uh, behind the scenes stuff where I just shoot. I just they're like they're very simple things that I just shoot with my phone. And I talk about, you know, what I'm going through, things that I'm like updates, things that I'm working on, things like that, that I don't normally share to the public or before I share to the public. Um, I also have a community, um, like a private community. Like I have a Discord server. I have a Facebook group. I have um uh, just like the idea behind my Patreon was just to create a place where people could hang out um, and talk about things in a much safer environment. And um, and actually, I just introduced um, like uh, consultations. So I have consultations now where uh, we talk for an hour and uh, it can be about anything regarding, you know, creating, filmmaking, uh, business, kind of in that realm, just just the type of stuff that you might see on my channel. Um, and just kind of, you know, setting goals and being able to have someone who is can hold you accountable to that stuff um, and, and just kind of, uh, like, coach you through that. That's awesome. One of the other things I saw is you have merch. Like, how did you go about getting designing your own merch, ordering it, distributing it? Like, what's that whole process look like? So that is a whole other... <laughs> That is a whole other game. Um, I mean, there's very easy ways to do it. And now now that like Teespring has partnered with YouTube, it's I, there's no reason why like every single creator should just have merch because it's just there. Like you can make it very easy now. Um, but when I was making merch, like the very first time that I made merch, it was so hard. Like I, I made, so this was like before even Red Romina. This was like on my previous channel, like in like 2008 like super old school I didn't know what I was doing with graphic design like I had no idea um and that I it was like on 
I don't know if it was like Spreadshirt or what. It was like some, I don't know. It was some website um, where you could make stuff like that, um, like print on demand type stuff. But it was very like, you know, graphic heavy. Like you had to know, like follow their specifics for printing and stuff like that. So every every company has like their own stuff and they have like guidelines and things like that. But, um, but you know, there's so many websites. There's like, um, there's uh, Printify, there's Printful. <laughs> Those are two different companies. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's like a bunch of different companies that you can do print on demand stuff. And, uh, and you don't really have to worry about pretty much about anything. You just like create the design, put it up there and you can list it anywhere. But yeah, I mean now with like Teespring, it's like, like forget it. (laughs) Um, so as someone that has like creates as much content as you do for so many different platforms, you have your own business. How do you balance it all? And where, what is your, how do you feel about hustle culture? Oh, um, (laughs) hustle culture so the thing about that is I do I I I think it's awesome to inspire this new generation of you know people who are coming out of high school and who are seeing the world a little bit different than maybe um you know our parents did and they aren't really thinking they're not thinking small anymore. You know, they're thinking big. And I think part of that is because of the internet and hustle culture. It's like, it's, I think there's good and bad to it. Um, Obviously, like the good side of it is that it's very inspiring and it can be very motivating and encouraging and, and just kind of um, inspiring people to put themselves out there and to push and to work hard and to really take advantage of their youth because I don't know about you but like when I was young like I could stay up for like 48 hours straight like I would I like I could I could do that and I could go to class and I could you know get an A on a test like I could function (laughs) and not sleep like at all but now it's like if I don't get eight hours of sleep every single night, I'm I'm a zombie. <laughs> like that kind of thing is like, you know, taking advantage of the fact that you do have your youth and that you are able to do that kind of thing is is really advantageous. Um, but of course, you know, the hustle culture doesn't only apply to to the youth. <laughs> um, it, it it but it is, you know, it's very much geared towards that. Um, when you hear about that, it's very much, you know, um, it's like, do you need to go to college? Like, oh, well, if you do go to college, like you should, you should be going to college and then like working on like your business. Like when you come back, like, like from class, you know, um, and that kind of thing is like, I feel it's sometimes it's good and uh as far as the bad side of it i i don't think that you know sometimes it's okay to not do anything <laughs> and i um and I, that's something that i very much like had to learn i i learned a lot later um was that you know my my entire life isn't work my entire life is my life and work just happens to be a part of it and 
But that's not to say that I don't work hard. I mean, I would, you know, just last night I didn't sleep eight hours. It's it's horrible. I've had a horrible day <laughs> because I didn't sleep eight hours. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Only half kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's and and that's because I, you know, I had work that I needed to get done, and it was stuff that I wanted to get done because I. I have my goals and I have my ambitions and things that I want to do. And I know that if I want to do those things, I need, there's certain steps that I need to take. And sometimes those steps are, you know, require me to make sacrifices. So as far as like how I handle it all, it's, it's very much, um, figuring out what that balance is on a day-to-day basis. You know, every day is different for me, especially, especially since I don't have to go into an office and I pretty much set my own schedule, um, it can get overwhelming because I want to do everything on the same day. You know, I want to I live my entire life in 24 hours. <laughs> and that's what it feels like, you know? Because it's like, oh, well, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What if, I don't, I'm not, what if I can't do this one thing tomorrow or ever? This is, this is my only day to do it, you know, carpe diem. But that's, it's, you know, it, again, I don't know where I'm going to be. You know where I'm going to be? I'm probably just going to be at home and I'm going to have all day to do what I want to do. So um, I kind of think about it kind of like on a bigger picture. Like I think, okay, I want to attain this one thing. This is what I really want, right? Like, you know, I want to get this, I want to get this one thing. Um, in order to do it, I have to do X, Y, Z. So I really have to push through and I have to get those things done. And I think, okay, my reward for this is I'm going to go out to this movie. Or my reward for this is I'm going to, you know, fly to New York for the weekend. Or my reward for this is, um, is the very thing that I'm working towards. And, And I think about like, I think about, you know, what my schedule is like and what I'm doing. Like, I know, I know that next week I have Dragon Con. And um, for the most part, it's just going to be like jam-packed, like fun, like filming and creating content. But because of that, um, I need to do work beforehand. I have stuff that I need to do, you know, like just today I was working on Create IRL and I was working on the website. Um, And... it's making those sacrifices because I know, okay, now I'm not getting the sleep that I need. Now I have to do this work that maybe I don't want to do right now or that I'm not inspired to do right now. But next week is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm making the time to be able to do that. So like with that one, what's next for you? Like I know you got Dragon Con coming up, but what are some things you're working on, some things in your world that you're excited about right now? Well, I'm super excited about Create IRL. Um, this is just such a huge venture for me, and I'm excited to see what can come of it. And I'm excited to see other people get excited about it, and um, and seeing the prospect of you know potentially meeting other creators through this um, through this community that I'm building. Uh, so that's that's one thing. Um, I'm still uh, you know venturing forth, trying to finish Star Trek. <laughs> That's still, that's still a thing. <laughs> it's a very serious thing in my life. You know, this is no, this is no game. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> um, so 
I, I guess that's that. And then I'm also writing a little bit more. Um, you know, writing is something that I just go in and out of and uh, I'd like to do a lot more writing and, and go back into writing in my blog, which I haven't updated in months. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just the way that it is. It's just, um, I just wasn't inspired for whatever reason. And, and I definitely want to go back into it. And, you know, I do screenwriting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and I'd love to do, get back into production as well because I stopped doing that um, so that I could focus on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, yeah, now I want to go back into doing that. And what about like super long-term goals? Long-term goals is, well, my long-term goal is, I, I have many long-term goals, but one of my long-term goals is I would love to be a millionaire. And the reason that I want to be a millionaire is because, uh, because I want to help people. And the things that I want to do require me to have capital. And, um, that's mainly my goal, you know, my ambition behind that. Um, I'd love to do more volunteer work abroad, um, which, you know, I've done quite a bit of that and it's something that I, that I thoroughly enjoy and I would love to do, to be able to do more of that. Um, but right now, because the focus is like creating and, and creating an environment where other creators can create as well. Um, that's really where my focus is right now, but, um, but eventually I do want to create more time for myself where I can do more, more volunteer work um, and do more stuff with animals as well. That's awesome. I think that's the best reason to want to become a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, aside from, you know, creating and like going to a private island or something like that, and <laughs> maybe the next create IRL can be there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in actuality, it's just, you know, to help the people around me and to help my loved ones and also, um, and also to create the world that I want that I want to live in. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But before we wrap up, I always end the same every interview the same with like the same standard questions, like a Q and A rapid fire. Oh boy! So the first one being, you're going to dinner. You can take three people. It could be anybody, dead or alive. Who do you take to dinner? <gasps> oh, whoa! Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, Isaac Asimov. Would be one. Um, Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> oh boy, there's only one slot left. <laughs> um, mm, uh, I I guess it would say. Um, my my late friend uh john hurd okay that's good um sorry to hear about your friend it's good um but what is some of the best advice you've ever been given best advice i actually think like i actually thought about this today perfect (laughs) um so best advice that i've gotten was I went to, I got a speaking engagement at PodFest earlier this year. And uh, this one guy was talking about the best advice that he had gotten. And it was when somebody is venting to you, you know, our our initial um, instinct is to kind of start talking about our own experiences and to start, you know, giving advice or try to help that person. Um, but before doing that, ask if that person just wants to talk 
or if that person actually is looking for advice. Because sometimes you can save a lot of energy <laughs> and time for someone who doesn't, who might just want to, you know, yell or vent and doesn't necessarily want your advice. <laughs> um, so I thought like that was something that has really saved me from a lot of stuff um, since then, actually. Uh, so now every time, like when one of my friends is just like going off on something, I'm just like, before you continue, <laughs> do you want my help or are you just, do you just need to let it go? Like, does it just need to get off your chest? Um, yeah, very, very good advice. What is one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Uh, that I'm pretty dark, I guess. I don't know. Most people don't expect that. They don't. Ex they don't expect me to be as intense as I am in person. Um, I can be. I'm pretty introverted, and I'm very private about my life and like what I'm doing. Like even with people that I know and like my friends and family, I'm just a very private person. Like I just keep to myself for a lot. And I think a lot of people don't. Um, probably wouldn't expect that just because I'm. I kind of give off more of a chipper kind of personality like most people are like oh my gosh she's so sweet and fun and like I'm just like if only you knew <laughs> I'm like you know the um the meme uh you know the Sith uh, like Kermit with the um it's like Kermit the Frog yeah he's wearing like the cape over him and he's just like just do it like do it yeah I mean that's basically like my entire life in an image <laughs> okay what is one thing that is so important everybody needs to know there's so many important things though um i okay something really important that everyone needs to know is uh, if is to not only be kind to other people but be kind to yourself i think just because it kind of helps you know a lot of people are kind to other people but then you know sometimes they forget about themselves and um i think that's really important i think self-preservation is important um and it's very important to not forget that um to take care of yourself and to be kind to yourself um even if sometimes you have to i mean it's like even in like when you're uh um like if you're gonna save someone who's like if someone's drowning or whatever like you don't jump into the water with them right um, you kind of throw something for them to grab onto and um, it's that kind of thing where you have to make sure that you are you're strong and stable in order to help other people. I like that. And so for the last question, I kind of flipped the script a little bit. So if you had a crystal ball that could show you the answer to anything, what is one question that you would want to know the answer to? What are the winning numbers for the lottery next year? <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> No one's ever said that before. Now that you say it, I can't believe no one said it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with that. I feel like, you know, I mean, I obviously have a ton of questions, but, um, you know, like, is the earth flat? Is the earth round? Like, I don't <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, unanswered things that I think about every single day where I can get extremely deep and, you know, just <laughs> think about the universe and whatnot and and all that. But that's just not as fun. 
that's fair. But I do want to thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast. I really appreciate it. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug everything and anything that you got right now. All right. Well, I am at Red Romina all over the internet, at least all the places that matter. And I am, you can go to my website, which is also redromina.com. And that pretty much has everything um, in my in my life that's important to me. Um, so I think those are probably the main things. And if you're a creator and you're interested in stuff, then, you know, check out at create IRL. Um, and that's the same on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and also the website. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Guys, do me a big favor. Go and follow Romina on everything. Make sure you check out Create IRL as well. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. Come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube by searching up My Social Life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. <laughs>